0: And one story that always kind of captures my imagination. The The streets lost culture, (laughs) and you're listening to Kerning Cultures. This is Dana Balutz, and you're listening to Kerning Cultures. Before we start, a quick note that this episode contains references to violence, so if you're not into that kind of thing, I would skip. My other note is that this is episode two of this series, so if you haven't heard episode one, I would go back and listen to that one first so you can better follow this story.
1: Oh, there's a team, there's a team. I don't know how see him.
0: Okay, so there's this video game. It's called PUBG. It's been around for a few years, but very quickly it became one of the most popular video games in the entire world. I've personally never played before, but YouTube is full of PUBG gamers streaming themselves playing. Be careful, uh, Southeast, East. It's a multiplayer shooter game like others you might have heard of, Call of Duty or Fortnite. People just killing each other. Got em. In this game, players are parachuted onto an island where they have to find weapons to kill one another before they get killed themselves. The size of the safe area in the game decreases over time. And that way, remaining players get squeezed into a tighter and tighter area, and the violence creeps closer and closer every minute. It's all about stealth, skill, and survival. In our previous episode of this four-part series, we met Aizen, which isn't his real name. We're using a pseudonym to protect his identity. And Aizen was playing PUBG religiously, by 2019, like the video game, the size of the safe area in Afghanistan where he was living was also decreasing over time. More and more districts were falling under the control of the That's Taliban. All across Afghanistan, the Taliban are launching attacks on police and government forces and even popping up in towns and cities to audaciously grab ground momentarily. Aizen grew up in Afghanistan, and in addition to playing his favorite video game, PUBG, He'd also spend long hours playing football. Very normal 16-year-old stuff. But all of that was taken away from him when he was accused of stealing a car. A crime, he says, he never did. In a rushed and inaccurate age assessment by the police, the authorities claimed that Aizen was 18, even though he was 16. And he was sent to one of the most notorious adult prisons in Afghanistan.
2: Skipping from here is impossible. Impossible at all. Okay. From the main door, from the first door, take the prisoners. It's one hour in the car. Okay. Totally impossible
1: to skip. Huge. It's huge. What did you see happen there?
2: A lot of things. Fighting. People trying to suicide. Okay. People complained, "Oh, this guy tried to rape me."
0: After months in that place, he was released, but when he got out, his family blamed him for tainting their honor, for losing his job and for not bringing any money home.
2: And also because I had a crime and they took my fingerprint. You cannot work anywhere after this.
0: Sometimes you just
2: lose your control, you cannot handle anymore.
0: So Aizen decided to leave Afghanistan, a game no longer meant a football match or a PUBG session, but rather an entirely different kind of gamble with very real stakes.
2: So when you try to go, they call it game. Game is meant to try to cross. That's what we call a game. Oh, I'm going in a game. It means I'm, he's going to try tonight or today. Okay. Okay.
0: To try to cross illegally from Afghanistan into Iran, heading for Europe. This is Aizen, the most unlucky person in the world. Part two, the game. Producer al Shaibani takes the story from here.
1: Eisen started his journey in the middle of winter, in February of 2019. His dad dropped him off at the main bus station in Kabul, where he took a bus to Nimroz, about 900 kilometers south of Kabul, on the border of Afghanistan, Pakistan and Iran.
2: You go, go, go. First the road was closed because of snow. They fixed the road. The car get fine problem. The way of 12 hours, we did it in 24 hours. The wind is so cold. First, the snow, the wind with it is like... It's in the mountains. Yeah. We find a place to stay, it was a hotel. If you don't buy food, they don't give you a place to stay. Mm. And the food is not eatable, like you cannot eat it.
1: For many people, this is the only way out of Afghanistan. The Afghan passport ranks lowest in the world. As of right now, there are six countries that allow Afghans to enter without a visa. All six are island countries in the Caribbean or in the Pacific Ocean, halfway around the world. On top of that, there are only a handful of countries that give a visa to Afghans upon entry, places like Cambodia and Mozambique. But there are no direct flights from Kabul to any of these countries. So you have to transit through somewhere else and apply for a visa. Chances are that application will be denied. But for Aizen, that's irrelevant anyway. He's never had a passport. So the only viable option is through smuggler networks and illegal crossings into the neighboring countries.
2: Before leaving Afghanistan, I calculate all of the things, like 10 days in here,
1: 10 days in here, this, this. So my plan was in three months, I will be in France. Three months to cross by foot from Afghanistan to France. The bus dropped Eisen off in Nimrose along the border. He was told he'd get picked up by a smuggler to be taken into Iran. He'd been given a phone number to call, but other than that, zero information. So
2: what did you have with you? One spare clothes, one spare shoes, but I had my coat. It was a good jumper. And oh we take some I take some bread and I take khurma, dates. okay. Water, biscuit. That's it. Phone. Yeah, but the phone battery was so good. It works more than it works for a week because you don't use it.
1: Okay. Do you have any documents with
2: you? I had my taskra. What
1: is it? Afghani ID. By that point, he was with a big group, more than fifty people, near the border, waiting to be picked up. A smuggler came, called out Eisen's name and a list of others and took them to a guest house where they were told to stay and wait. They weren't sure what for. Better weather, or for the border patrol to move. But in any case, they slept for a night in that small, shabby, halfway house. And in the morning, they were given a simple breakfast.
2: It was just bread, but it was so good. Just bread? Yeah, Yeah. bread with tea. But the bread was so good. It it tastes so good. I remember the testing now. It was the last good breakfast that I eat.
1: <laughs> In your <laughs> for,
2: life? For three years. Okay. For three years. Early morning, wake up, it was nine o'clock. The person come, who is Musafirs of this person?
1: Musafirs, meaning travelers.
2: I hate the name, like, yeah, we, they come. We sit there for hours. They made the car. You know the car that I told you before, the Dachshunds? We call it Dachshund. Oh, like a pickup truck. Yeah, you know how many people are in here? Just have a guess.
1: Ten? Forty-two. Forty-two people.
2: Wallahi, brother, forty-two. In the back of that car. All inside. Four in this side. Four in this. Four in
1: this. Four, Eisen showed me a picture of a pickup truck, and explained how the smuggler would pack forty-two people in this one car. There's the driver, and in the passenger seat next to him, three kids were crammed on the floor. Where the passengers' legs would be, and on the seat itself, two people sharing it. Then in the back, the three seats with four people squeezed together. On their lap, another four.
2: It's the four-person seat, but they at
1: eight. Then in the open back of the truck, everyone was shoved on top of each other.
2: You know, and they go so fast. Okay. So fast, like in the if you sit in the edge of the car, in the car jump is so painful. Nobody wanna sit, they told me sit, but they don't give me space. Wallah, uh, you know, we call it pipe. He, bum, hit me in my back. Ooh, it was a pain for the, uh, I, in, in this place I said, the pain has started. The driver said to you before, like, when the car slow down, you need to shut up. Mm-hmm. If I saw you talking, They will beat you. We start travel. We travel for 24 hours, something like this, more than this. We arrive to a place that they call it. It was the border between Baluchistan of Pakistan and Balochistan of Afghanistan.
1: There is a province called Balochistan in Pakistan and another one in Iran. But it's a general area that spans the three countries, including Afghanistan. It's a mountainous region where borders are blurry and porous. It's very remote. So remote that Pakistan conducted nuclear tests there in the 90s. Eisen was unsure if they crossed into Pakistan or stayed on the Afghan side the entire time. But they were headed towards Iran. The group would get corralled into small tents. Smugglers would beat them often or force them to buy food at specific points.
2: We start early morning again. We arrive in the mountains. Refugees, thousands of Afghans, but it's all mountain. Everybody's waiting for their we call it Rabalat, the person who know the way to walk with you to the Iran. So finally the person find us. He come call, Mustafa, of this person. You see yeah I am come. He collect us. How many people were there
1: total? Thousands. Old, young, families? Every
2: kind, child, young, every. Women, man, Every, everything. So he find the people, we were totally 32, 35 people, with the women as well. Say, so we are walking tonight. It's nine hour or eight hour walking. So prepare yourself. Get ready. <sighs> Brother. So we arrived here, so cold, it's winter, yeah. the wind and stuff. We had like small plastic bags that you can go inside the plastic bag. You close and you sit. But you know when you spend more time and you, the plastic gets sweaty, it's, you feel more cold. Yeah. We sp- I spent three nights in this mountain.
1: In a tent? In
2: a house? No house, no tent, no house, in the mountain. You just sleep in this plastic bag. Walk all the day, run from the police. Police was coming. We see the police coming. Run, hide to yourself. In one place they say the police is there. Run, brother, run, 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 run. First it's mountain. You know, you don't, You cannot see anything. It's dark. I am kicking you. You are kicking me. He is kicking another person. Then they say, "Police, say it all, poor." They were making fun. Walla, there was no police. And then they laugh. Ha 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 ha.
1: These rabolat guys the walking guides, were messing with them. This was the game. One where rules are exploitative or non-existent. One that plays on power and abuse. A game where players quickly become disposable as soon as there is a problem. Something Aizen found out along the way.
2: We walk for 20, 30 minutes. Three people come in front of us and they ask, they say, oh, come here. And the smuggler said run. He pushed one of them and we start running. Okay. And they run behind us. I run a bit and I twisted my ankle. I fall down. <laughs> run with the like with twisted ankle. I was literally crying like it was so bad. I dislocated my ankle in this place. We arrived to a place that they say, four person in one scooter. And the scooter driver, he was so fat. So, so fat. He said, okay, I will take three. And you know what the thing? Some places when it's like a hill and you cannot go up, then you need to push the scooter.
1: Whenever there was a hill, they had to push the scooter until it started and then run behind it and sit. But remember, Aizen's ankle was twisted.
2: I said, we are going to leave you. What can I do? Like, you cannot even drive. We need to push you to go. (laughs) We go for like two hours like this. We came down, we stayed there for an hour and my ankle was hurting so bad. And my friends talk to they go to the smuggler and say to the smuggler that this guy he dislocated his ankle and he saw oh he say oh why he didn't say before. Cause the car left now, otherwise we'll put him in the car to go. Now there's no chance he have to walk. We walked for a bit and we were the last people. And the smuggler always say come quick, you see. Otherwise They would leave me, saying, go. We can know do If we cannot walk, it's not not our problem. We walk for a bit, then they give me like a stick, like a huge stick, like a wood, say, walk with this. So I start walking with this slowly, slowly. I was dying. Like, it was so bad.
1: From midnight to 10 a.m., Aizen had to walk on a twisted ankle. Some of the other refugees had paracetamol, They dissolved it in water and then soaked bandages in that water, which they wrapped around Aizen's ankle. You can imagine that didn't help much.
2: My leg was numb all the way. I thought I lost my leg. I thought I lost because I was sitting in the street for an hour or 30 minutes. It was numb, totally numb. I buy, like, I, what do you call it, they do. Like, you know, if I do like this, you feel... Yeah, Yeah. I do this. I don't feel pain. I thought I lost my leg. I'm done.
1: This is the main route for Afghan refugees headed to Europe. They cross into Iran and are joined by migrants from other Asian countries as they make their way to Turkey's eastern border. Eisen told me how getting trafficked through Iran followed a system. They were put in cars and driven between towns and cities, in these cars and trucks and vans that were sardine to the brim with people, driving four hours, six hours, nine hours. Stop the car say, walk. Eisen would name towns and cities they passed through, places like Bandar Abbas and Shiraz. But for the majority of it, he's unsure of where they were. The only markers were bumps in the road, and whether the car is moving or not.
2: And then another car came, same thing.
1: Once they reached the outskirts of a town, they couldn't drive through with that many people. Otherwise, they'd catch the attention of the local police. We stayed there. And so they'd be dropped off outside and had to hike around the town to avoid the authorities.
2: You go up, you go down, you go up, you go down.
1: Always on the fringes, skirting around the edges of society, walking three hours, five hours, six hours, sometimes eight. I think it's important here to point out the size of Iran. It's four and a half times the size of Germany. Meaning, if you superimpose the map of Iran onto Europe, the northwestern corner would be in the UK and the southeastern corner would be in Greece. It's huge. What was surprising to me was how big this system was. Not the people on the move, the refugees and migrants, but the people who were part of this network of smugglers. Eisen would describe in detail how they were pawned from one person to the next. Drivers, walking guides, guest house owners, each time a different person.
2: Every smuggler have contacts. They're not like one person work, they're like a group. They're like a huge community of these people who do this thing and they know each other for a long time. So, for example, I'm a smuggler. You are a smuggler. I have people to send from Iran to Turkey. You cannot do it because you don't have the options or the opportunities or the facilities to do. You're like, oh, I know someone. Like, they get paid per person. It's like a huge group. It's not one, two person. Like, I feel like between all of the smugglers, 95% of them know each other in every country that they are.
1: But not everyone in this network can be considered a smuggler. A lot of them are locals that are just getting a group of people from point A to point B. After that, they've earned their cut, and what happens to this group is none of their business. And so that system, walking in the wilderness, crammed into cars, sleeping in the mountains or in dingy guest houses, continued for weeks. For one leg of the journey, Eisen was shoved in the trunk of a car, hunched in the back because he was a small kid, who could fit in that suffocating space.
2: It's a really weird feeling. Mm-hmm. you scared, same time, it's funny. Same time, it's like, what the hell I'm doing in here? So it was a Pakistani guy who joined me. Worst time I ever had in my life.
1: The, in the trunk with the guy?
2: He was farting <laughs> so much.
1: <laughs>
2: he did once, and I say, said to him, see, this is not the place. There is no air coming. Please. He said, okay. He did the second time. I slapped him so hard. BAM in the face. And the driver here, he came and said, what? I say what happened? I said, he is farting it here. What do you want me to do? And the driver said to him, what are you doing? And he said, no, I will not do after this. It's not like this I like that. I'm like, bro, please take care. Yeah. And he said to the guy, it's a long way. We
1: need to, we will drive all night, please. A month after leaving Afghanistan, Eisen reached the northwestern town of Khoy in the Kurdish region of Iran. By then, it was the 21st of March 2019, the first day of spring and the Persian New Year called Nowruz. People in Iran and Kurdistan celebrated by lighting big bonfires and fireworks. The entire town was festive. But the refugees couldn't join in. They were hiding from the authorities. The smuggler arranged for a local family to hide Aizen and the other migrants inside their house for a few days. Aizen told me how this family warned everyone not to freak out from the loud fireworks. Aizen laughed and said he's from Afghanistan. He's used to the sound of explosions. Throughout this journey, the food provided to the migrants was basic. And there wasn't a lot of it. At these guest houses or roadside stops, they could buy some food if they had the money. But if they were traveling with no money, like Aizen, the smugglers would give them some bread and yogurt, maybe tea if they were lucky. Every day, bread, yogurt, bread, yogurt, bread for weeks.
2: We stayed in this f- house for six days because the way was so cold and the snow was too much, like you cannot go and cross the border. We stayed here for six, seven days and we complain because they don't have good, good food. Then the actual smuggler came and said, Okay, I'm gonna change the family. What is the complaint? Say, so, This is the complaint. They don't give us good food. Like, we're gonna die if you eat you got bread, you got bread. And the bread is like, it's so skinny bread. Like, I don't know which kind of bread was that. You just get tired of everything. I start hating you, God. Like, you just hate everything. Everything. They changed our home. The car came, we drive for 30 minutes. It was so. Good, like after a long time we drive in the city, like you can see everything. The people, the you markets. can see people, the markets. Like Kurdish people are so beautiful. Like they are so beautiful. And Like for a minute I was like, I'm gonna stay in here. Like you are young and stuff, you know. You see the beautiful girl, the boys play football. and everything. I'm, like, I'm gonna stay in here. Yeah.
1: It was a fleeting idea. The economic situation in Iran isn't very good. And besides, Eisen said there's a lot of racism there towards Afghans. And so he stuck to the plan and carried on towards Turkey. After the break, the group finally gets moving again, headed for Istanbul. The border between Iran and Turkey is extremely mountainous and extremely popular for trafficking. It's one of the main routes for refugees and drugs to move from Asia to Europe.
2: Oi, I don't want to remember it. The widow was so cool. You remove your hand from your pocket, done, you're freezing. We arrived to a place that the smuggler said, I'm not showing you the way after this. You just walk straight. You see the line, the border, you walk straight, that's it. But after this, he said, you have to go by yourself because I cannot cross the border. I don't want the police to see me. If they catch you, it's fine. They drop you back to Iran or they send you to Afghanistan or to your countries. But if they catch me, I'm done. So it was... a heel up. So like... Your eyes cannot even see. I was good. I was quick. Like go up, 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 up. Go a bit of break, then go up, 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 up. You cannot see anything. It's snowing. It's in the fog and everything. Like you cannot see even a meter in front of you. I follow some guys and see what they are doing. And I lost him. And now I can't see anything. I lost the footsteps and everything. So I find a group of 20 people, I say, come with me. We start walking, we had a break. We start walking, we have a break. We arrive to a point, I see the checkpoint of the police. I was like, the police is there. They say, no, the police is not. I was like, okay, let's do something. Just walk across this. We don't have any other way. We walk 10 minutes from this station and we hear the police fire. (laughs) So you have to run. Like Everybody was running. So fast, boom, to cross.
1: A lot of people don't make it through, but still, each year, thousands of refugees cross, as well as heroin, meth, diesel, and tobacco. For Aizen, they started their trek at 8 p.m. and crossed into Turkey by 9 a.m. the following day. Out of the 100 or so people that Aizen was with, maybe 15 crossed. Before they set off, a lot of the women and children turned back because the snow was too much and the route was too dangerous. Visibility was zero, wolves roamed the mountain, and temperatures were freezing. And what happened
2: to the others? I saw dead bodies in the, in the mountain. Dead bodies, one dead guy did, and we took him to the other side, like we left the person say, taken to his family, stuff. I don't know his family. Where do you want me to take him? It's not in my hand. We see dead bodies from before, that you can just see the skeleton and stuff. That's it. And you say, yeah, that's it.
1: This is quite common. I've spoken to several refugees who have shown me videos on their phones of the dead bodies they saw along the way. They're usually frozen to death and the expressions on their face suspended. I asked Eisen if he was shocked to see a dead body.
2: Yeah. But also not, because we know that's the way that's going to happen. I mean, we were like, friends are saying, oh, if you could call their parents and stuff, they will be waiting for their children and they don't know that he's dead or she is dead. But you couldn't do anything. Even one of our friends searched his pockets and stuff if you say, if I can find an ID or something. But there was nothing. I don't think if they died, the smugglers or the robbers will remain anything.
1: Um, did you think that there is a chance that you would die in
2: the? Yeah, when we were trying to go, it was so cold, and the snow was like a lot. And when we everybody lost the way, some people go once side of like, ah, oh, I think we did." And you could see that the wolves, you know, the snow wolves, and making sounds and stuff. You could see them. In a, for a minute, we thought that they're gonna come and eat because there were a lot surrounding around us.
1: Was it something that you're scared of?
2: Not really. I mean, I see, I've seen a lot of things in Afghanistan. So it was the only thing like people were scared. Of, oh, I was gonna die. But I had like huge experience with this as well. Like today, or tomorrow, one day. So who would? Who cares if even if I die? Like we used to do, you know, when the explosions and stuff happen, you go and help take the bodies, put them in the ambulance and stuff. You collect a piece of meats from the street. So that was when I saw the body, like, "Ah, okay, fine, another. (laughs) That's something you expect from the way that will happen. Like the danger is. It's a high chance I'm going to die. It's a high chance I'm going to get injured. High chance the police will catch me or somebody will rob me. That's the thing that will happen.
1: So what did you not expect? Crossing in the first try. <laughs> Eisen crossed from Iran into Turkey on his first game, which was an extraordinary stroke of luck. For most refugees, it takes at least two or three tries. The smugglers took him and the other people in his group to another family's home where they hid in the basement. They stayed there for almost a month, because one of the migrants hadn't paid the smuggler, so they were being held there until the money arrived. They'd spend all day waiting, trying to pass the time, playing football in the snow or taking turns to play video games on a phone.
2: Stay in the room all day, nothing. You cannot go out, just stay. I was mentally tired. Like, I learned a bit of Turkish with these people. Okay. Like, I learned Imsen, San Nassesen. I learned. So, I make friends with the son of this family who is like 12, 14, 15 years old, something. Okay. So, everyone, every time they fl- play football, they call me, Hey, hey. And they go and play football in the ground. And the ball is so dirty. <laughs> like, it's snowing, it's muddy, mad. Um, mud. Yeah, because he find a football, I show him a few tricks. <laughs> he become my friends. <laughs> like you know, in football, when somebody not makes you, so it's like real, people say, oh, he get not make. I not make him three times with three different skills. He say, you have to show me this. I show him these skills, and then he become my friend.
1: Eisen was able to play football at least and show off his nutmegging skills. That's when he passed the ball between your opponent's legs. It was a way for him to pass time and to alleviate his declining mental health. By then, it was weeks of just eating yogurt and bread, weeks in the same set of clothes, weeks without a shower. But it did give Eisen's twisted ankle time to recover. From their safe house on the Turkish border with Iran, the refugees had to cross another snowy mountain pass by foot. This time, the snow was up to their waist.
2: It was old man who cannot go, it was Pakistani. And the person who was showing us the way said, Somebody help, nobody help. Like, you know, you feel sorry for some people. He's old. Yeah, he's old. And you know, I'm like, Nobody's helping, like, everybody's leaving alone. I took him in my bag. He's much heavier than me. And I said to him, Just hold yourself. I took him, walk in this. Snow, go, 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 go. Three hours, and because of him, I get more in the snow. So for a few minutes, another guy helped me, and he said he's too heavy, I cannot handle. His Pakistanis didn't help him, and I was so angry, and I fought with his Pakistanis. And the smuggler told me, if they are not going to help him, why are you helping? Just leave him, let him die. I don't give a shit. Just leave him. It's none of my business. If you cannot walk why you come here? You are old. Have luck now.
1: There is this Pashto proverb that Eisen taught me. And it goes nikiko dar which translates to "do good and throw it into the sea." There's the Arabic version too, if al khair fil bahar. It means to do good without expecting a return, without telling everyone. Carrying this old Pakistani guy on his back, the snow was up to Eisen's chest, but he carried him for three hours. The man prayed for Aizen the entire time.
2: So this person was doing, making a lot of dua for me. Oh, allah to ye kare, allah to I was like, okay, thank you. Just go walk. The smuggler told me, when you arrived to the car, he will say to the driver that make you sit in the first seat, not in the back. We arrived there and I was waiting to sit there because I was so cool. They put this old man in the first seat. I was still in the back and I was so hungry. I was like, <laughs> Okay. My shoes were wet, my clothes were wet. We arrived to a place. It was. We call it Gauhana. Like all the place for cows and these things. Gauhana? Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's like a barn. Yeah. So we arrived in here.
1: From that barn, where they stayed for a couple of nights, the journey was a lot more straightforward. The group was given fake IDs by the smugglers. And with those, they traveled towards Istanbul in regular buses. Eisen says Turkish people were generally very kind. Roadside restaurant owners gave them some free food. And bus passengers helped hide them at roadside checkpoints. A couple of days later, Eisen arrived in Istanbul. On the outskirts of the city, the smuggler had a safe house where he kept the refugees. For context, Turkey has taken in more refugees than any other country in the world. More than four million. Syrians, Iraqis, Afghans. But it's also one of the main smuggling routes into Europe. We've all seen the countless headlines and news stories about refugees arriving by the boatload onto Greek beaches. Cold, exhausted, but thankfully on dry land. At least 700 migrants reached the Greek islands by boat from Turkey yesterday, and on Lesbos, this is what they faced when they That route, despite how incredibly dangerous it is, is also expensive. Smugglers charge around 5,000 euros per person. By that point, Eisen had nothing with him. No money, no spare clothes, he was told to get rid of them in Iran. No phone. He had an old Nokia when he left Kabul. But that got stolen along the way.
2: Yeah, so the smuggler said, it's up to you if you want to decide. Do you want to go? If you have the money you're going to pay, or do you want to leave the house and go start working, up to you? And Yeah, but it was difficult to find work, you know. Sometimes you work, they don't pay money. Sometimes these things Yeah, it's difficult. The only work that you can earn money is mark. You know what's mark? You collect the bins and stuff trash from the street, and that's the only work you can pay.
1: And so he was stuck in Istanbul. His only option was to start working for the smuggler to earn his keep.
2: I start working for them. That's the only way that they can stay. Nobody's giving you food for free.
1: Working for the smuggler? Yeah. Doing what?
2: When the new refugees come, you go take them from the station, bring them here. Okay. When the refugees are going somewhere, you help them go, show him Like, because I know the Istanbul place, two, three months you stay, you know everything. Like, yeah. you go out
1: so that was his only outside. way to stay. However, Aizen's looks were a wild card. His strawberry blonde hair and fair complexion was a hurdle with the smugglers throughout the journey in Afghanistan, Pakistan and Iran.
2: The guy came to me and said, wait, where are you from? and i was like afghanistan in here and he was with alice smugglers. he was no 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 tell me the truth where he was like i'm afghan see i'm speaking say no 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 you're coming to catch us i was like what the f- why would i catch you guys i'm tr- trying to go say what what's your proof i had my id okay uh, i showed him my id i was like see and he was like he was shocked. He was like, you're the first Afghan I see like this. I'm working in here for a long time. Okay. But you are the first Afghan that I'm seeing in this face. <laughs> so I was like, that's how I
1: But in Istanbul, this was something the smugglers took advantage of. Aizen didn't look like other Afghans, so he didn't stand out. One time, Aizen was guiding a group of migrants through Istanbul who had come through the same route he did from Afghanistan, across all of Iran, through the snowy mountains, and into Turkey. The local police stopped them and asked everyone for their IDs. When they couldn't produce any, they were detained and deported all the way back to Afghanistan. Not Aizen, he just said he's American, and the police officer apologized and let him go. He was quickly learning how to play the game. Aizen stayed in Istanbul for almost three months. He was alone, without money, without a phone. The anxiety of getting caught and deported all the way back to Afghanistan was his only companion. Then the smuggler told him it was time to go. Unable to pay for a boat to Greece, Aizen's only option was to cross by foot into Bulgaria.
2: And he was like, you have to go in this game. you don't, they didn't pay me enough money for you to st- I send you in a game to Greece and hopefully the police will not catch you. Okay. Like, I, tool, they all have a, like, a network, every smuggler talk. Okay, I have a good game, I have a good person who can show the way. So okay, send your person to my house, we'll send the as you go. Okay. that's how they plan. The first game that I tried, the police catch us in the border. If you need Bulgarian police, they beat you as much as they can. They don't care who you are, how old are you. Hmm. They beat you as much as they want. Okay. They beat you as much as they can. They broke one of the guys like they burn all of the stuff that you have. That's weird, they burn my taskara. <laughs> they burn taskara, they take all of take off all of your clothes, they send you naked. So the Turkish police the other side they saw us that we don't have any clothes, we are naked. They give us the
1: clothes. They took all of your clothes. Yeah,
2: all. They burn. They burn all the documents that you have, anything that you have. The food, everything. It's an experience in life, but, (laughs) yeah.
1: I'm wondering, what did that feel like? What were you thinking? Um,
2: Embarrassing. But you cannot do anything, like... That's what they do. Like, all the time, first, the only thing is, like, you're sad because they catch you and stuff. Second, you feel pain because they beat you. Third, you're just thinking... Uh, what will happen again? Can I tr- try again? Can I not? What the pl- Turkish police will do? They will deport me. They will leave me. It's like mix of emotions and feelings. Bulgarian police are so bad. They are so bad. I think we should continue the ay, 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 ay My knee, my knee, my knee.
0: Aizen had left Afghanistan with the equivalent of $20 in his pocket and had traveled more than 6,000 kilometers to Istanbul. Next time on Kerning Cultures, this game and its arbitrary rules continue. And Aizen gets crowned a king.
2: We didn't eat for two days because they do not want the police to catch us. Every time when we go in open, we see something, food, stuff we took the food and go eat. There is no chance you will cross by yourself. Even if you do, every place is belong to a smoker. If they catch you, first, they will beat you a lot. If they are nice, they will leave you. If they are bad, they will call your family in blackmail to ask for money. If they are bad, bad, they will just kill you.
0: This episode was produced by Al Shaibani and edited by Alex Atak and myself, Dana Balut. Fact-checking by Dina Sabri and Iman sharif and sound design was by Munzir al-Hashim and Paul Aluf. Our team includes Zaina Duwidar, Nadine Shakir, and Finbar Anderson. Thanks for everyone who's listening. See you next week, and take good care.